Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is November the 27th of 2019, Thanksgiving Eve. I am Nick here along with Chris. And uh, yeah, yeah. And we are thankful. Can we introduce me from here on in as Chris Larios, baby? And uh, then fireworks go off and everyone. And you can like you can strum nothing. Or, or some kind of thing, like a DVD or whatever. I don't know what you have around you, but you could do I, that. I don't know. It, nothing's going to be as cool as the title belt, but yeah. Do you have to be Bobby Fish, though, because of the mustache? Oh, man. Yeah, because he's the only other one with facial hair. So, <laughs> huh. We're, we're going to think on this. Guys, stay tuned next Hang week. On. It's very important. We've got to figure out which members of the Indisputed Era we are. I feel emotionally like a Roddy Strong. <laughs> like, you're there. <laughs> you're nobody's favorite, but you're there. <laughs> <laughs> you're very impressive, but, like, you're last on everyone's list. Yeah, like, <laughs> like if, if it's a fuck, Mary kill on the members of the, of the Undisputed Era, you're always everyone's kill, which is weird. There's only four members. You could have been the one they ignored, but everyone chooses kill for you. <laughs> and everyone marries Kylo O'Reilly because oh, he's so I mean, dreamy. yeah. <laughs> uh, I actually okay. had a, anyway. a, a, a quick topic. It was very regular song. conversation. Yeah. For the, the, the impenetrable comparisons to the undisputed era that our, our no, see, podcast we're, we're actually topical because nxt is also on wednesdays anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're insulting our direct competition by talking about how much we'd like to marry them uh <laughs> so it's it it is nick mentioned uh, in america this is the wednesday before thanksgiving mm-hmm. uh, thanksgiving eve and outside of maybe like the friday or the thursday before memorial day weekend it is probably the biggest travel day of the year. And uh, I work about probably about a half hour away from where I live. I take the highway to get there. And I'm kind of anxious. I'm not I'm not a super huge fan of driving on the highways just because the highways of Pennsylvania are, are pretty sketchy. Well, and you would you would took you took the bus to work for quite a long time. Yeah. Too, right? so I, so. Yeah, I, I didn't even drive for a very long time. <clears throat> so I was a little nervous about getting home. So I was like, OK, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to take the highway. I'm not going to risk it. Uh, but I'm going to use Waze. Have you ever used Waze, Nick? I have never used Waze, no. Okay. I have, I've I, actually heard good things about it, though. So. Yeah, same same as I. I, I. I downloaded it. I have, I've had it on my phone for a very long time. And I said, okay, today's the day I'm going to use Waze. And I was like, because I just wanted to see, maybe give me a heads up. Maybe it could divert me in case there's like some really bad congestion or something like that. I chose the most stressful like driving experience to choose to do this. Oh. And it was only until I started driving that I realized uh, a little bit ago I had saw a tweet that informed me you could go into your phone and change the voice on your uh, Wade's navigator to the Cookie Monster. <laughs> and apparently I had done that. So it's me trying to nervously like navigate the very cluttered back streets of Harrisburg as it's just like, turn left now! Um, nom, 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 nom. Watch out for cops ahead! They go take your cookies! And there's... I don't use ways enough, so there's like, I guess bleeps? I guess there's like high scores you can get in like pointing out things on the road, so I'm like hearing my phone have like sound effects going on at the same time as Cookie Monster's like, missed left turn! Make you turn up ahead! So I'm like, you guys are gorge, Cookie Monster! 
I was really nervous, and um, I don't know if I'll be using that app again. I still love Cookie Monster, you know, bad <laughs> respect, but uh, that was not the day. Just, to you just want you just don't want Cookie Monster directly addressing you. You want uh, you want to uh, see him be uh, comedically annoying other people. Uh, you know what? It's not even so much that I I just don't think he's made for the world of direction giving because far too many of his comments require him to commentate on cookies as well. So right. you get to a comment where it's like, turn left here. And then immediately afterwards, it's like, turn right. But it's him like, make your cookies are good. Oatmeal raisin's not best, but still fun sometimes. Turn right. <laughs> like, wait, what? Cookie <laughs> <laughs> Monster. He's a, it's like he's in the car with you <laughs> with like the map. And he's like, me like oatmeal, but not as much as me like chocolate chip. Oh, oh turn. <laughs> he's like, come on, you're not paying attention. <laughs> Duplos get bad reputation but almost just as good as oreos in some situations miss turn back there by way <laughs> like cookie monster you don't want to give me an earlier heads up on that me talking about more important things right now <laughs> duplos duplos are more important than what we're talking about right now they get yeah, home yeah. Listen, we me know what me about. <laughs> me cookie monster. Not give directions, monster. <laughs> they don't have one those. You get what you get. Millennials, jeez. <laughs> me thought you not You should have known what you were getting from what was on packet. <laughs> me no berry lead, me cookie monster. <laughs> You look, you get any directions. I'm <laughs> just like the idea of Cookie Monster getting impatiently resentful. <laughs> like I'm holding him up from something. <laughs> I'm like, you're a cookie puppet. What do you have to do in your day? How dare you? <laughs> I've got a very busy day ahead of me. <laughs> It's like I look at his to-do list and just eat cookies. <laughs> he's, he's already checked it off and crossed the... Like, he's clearly done it like four or five times already today. <laughs> and he's just... He's on a new list to try to act like it hasn't been done. Oh, God. All right, we gotta get off of that because my throat's gonna start to hurt. <laughs> anyway, guys, so I made it home safe. Let's talk about. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> oh, all right. Oh man, you guys might as well turn the episode off. Nothing's gonna stop. <laughs> yeah, I know. How do I get just one title out of it? <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Oh, all right. We say goodbye to Cookie Monster now. And we, we, say hello to, <laughs> we say hello to Manga Monster. Oh, it's a weird week for updates for us in terms of our weekly series. Uh, we knew ahead of time we weren't getting Dr. Stone. Uh-huh. Uh, that was, you know, advertised the end of last week that we weren't getting it. Um, then, however, we had another Crunchyroll issue. Um, this is like a very regular thing by this point. Uh, it's just, you know, even if it doesn't happen like every few months when it does happen, it's just like, well, yeah, it's Crunchyroll, of course. So Eden Zero did upload a chapter this week, 
but it was the same chapter as one of the two that was uploaded last week. So I don't know if we were supposed to get chapter 72 or if there was some sort of mistake and that was why we got two chapters last week. Either way, there's no new chapter for us to talk about, so... There like, you go. I was like, is there a, a Twitter account that I should be following that just explains why Crunchyroll does <laughs> things that I don't understand? Like, am I going to get one? Because I keep getting noti- the notification from Flash that they're like, hey, just a heads up, in December, we don't support Flash anymore. And the only <laughs> thing I know that specifically uses Flash, because I have to approve it every time, is, every is fucking time. Crunchyroll. Oh, man. Uh, maybe once they actually have to update that stuff because the flash isn't going to work anymore maybe it'll suddenly miraculously be perfect i don't know (laughs) that's all it needs so we're short a few series that we would normally discuss uh so uh, let's let's get into it my hero academia chapter number 251 just one week i would have been uh like uh very different tone for that bare naked lady song. Yeah. It's been just one it's, week since I looked at you. Just one week and just, you know. It's kind of I over. Just, I, I need more I need more time. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could actually uh, rip on that more, but I don't know any of the lyrics to that song. It's no one does anyone know any bare naked ladies lyrics at all? Because it's like <laughs> I, I know one song. Because someone sent it to me, they were like, this song reminds me of your character, Dice Funk, and I listened to it, and I was like, you know what? I like that one, but I've never heard it played anywhere outside of that, and if no, you no. asked me to name another Bare Naked Ladies song, I don't even know, is it called One Week? Because if it's not, I, I don't so. know. <laughs> I'd be like, I think it's- did they do the Breakfast at Tiffany's song? <laughs> <sighs> so, uh, this is picking up where the whole kidnapping of Nato by uh, ending left off. Endeavor is uh, staring down this villain from his past. Uh, and uh, we begin with ending uh, screaming at him. Uh, apparently the bandages that he has aren't just um, for wrapping because he has kind of crafted one of them into a sort of arrow, which is seemingly digging a little bit into Natsuo's fo- uh, temple. So I guess that there is a little bit of versatility with what you can do with his mummy bandaged things. An ending uh, calls out to Endeavor and brings up the fact that, hey, you killed that Nomu before, even though the heroes aren't supposed to kill. Uh, I'm not just like that puppet, not alive, not dead, somewhere in between. So use your fire and kill me. Okay. Bakugo explodes in. He rushes tw- uh, towards uh, ending. Todoroki is close behind. Deku is bringing up the rear. Uh, Endeavor's driver uh, has apparently a special suitcase um, ejector thing in the trunk, which launches uh, the boys' uh, gear towards them. <clears throat> Deku catches them and throws out uh, the bags towards Todoroki and Baku, and as they're rushing towards ending, they put on parts of their uniforms so that uh, I guess they can use their abilities to the fullest. I know that Bakugo's gauntlets help him, uh, and of course, we know that Midoriya's do in terms of making sure he doesn't explode his arms off of his body. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been established that Todoroki's do anything other than just be 
there. They're so. cool. Maybe they maybe they help regulate his temperature. I mean, that would make sense. We know that they, he has a problem with that. Like but maybe it's, it's like think... maybe it's like a sleep number. Like one half of it is like, oh, your body's <laughs> a little warm, so it changes a little bit. And the other half is like oh, it's a little colder here. But he's, it's like uh, just as kind of uh, tedious as doing it with a sleep number. So he's like in the middle of combat with the you know, one side of his body on fire and the other one frozen. He's got to be like, hang on. He's got to take the remote out. <laughs> it's not quite it. Hang on. <laughs> it's, I, I'm, I'm close. Hold on. Just a little bit. No, nah, it's too far. Maybe I'm supposed to like it hard. <laughs> that's what she said. Am I right? <laughs> Don't hey. A child's life is in danger. <laughs> Your brother. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get to it. Look, it's very, it's very important. I feel comfortable while doing this. Yeah, but I'm just gonna do this and not feel cozy. You know how much of your life you spend in a bed. Yeah, he's like, that's like thirty. You spend a third of your life in. He like pulls out a PowerPoint. He's like, you, know, you spend a third of your life in bed. I'm prepared you might as well for this. Comfy. Uh, so they put on parts of their costumes while rushing towards ending, who is like, ah, come on, kill me. You're my only hope. Uh, and Endeavor realizes, oh, that guy's kind of off balance. I could reach him faster than these kids. But he pauses and hesitates again when he sees Natsuo bound up in the bandages and he just kind of stops for a second and Deku rushes by him while the others continue to burst ahead. Uh, ending continues to rant. And Todoroki focuses and he focuses on the technique that he has been observing Endeavor performing the entire time that they've been training together, focuses his quirk on a single point and releases in a big burst forward. Uh, and ending keeps on going like, kill me, kill me, kill me, kill me, uh, while using his bandages to reach out on further back on the road and start flipping some cars up into the air because apparently the road was only abandoned for them to have this showdown for up until right now. Yeah. It, it, it's a little bit odd. Afterwards, a lot of traffic came by. Everyone directed by Cookie Monster. And it's like, no, turn up, turn up there. They're like, just like, a horde of Cookie Monster. <laughs> turn, 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 turn. <laughs> you all supposed to turn back there. Wait, Cookie Monster, aren't you supposed to alert me if there's a supervillain attack going on in this road? Supervillain attack on road. Turn right, make you turn. <laughs> Supervisor not taking cookie soap. Me no care that much. <laughs> Sometime when you take bite of cookie, it look like you turn. Oh, that's cookie humor for you. <laughs> oh, you have you have rhubarb in head. Never mind. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you dead. Okay. Uh, you gonna eat that? <laughs> you no need wallet. Me used to buy cookie in your honor. <laughs> Grave robber cookie monster. <laughs> so ending, of course, uses this to threaten that, you know, more people are going to die. He even actually dangles Natsuo's body out in front of one of the cars. Uh, but uh, Bakugo blasts, him, blasts himself forward, snags Natsuo uh, out of ending's grasp. Uh, Deku goes and goes to work, blasts himself into the air. And focuses, and he's like, I can do this. I've just got to figure out how to handle two processes at, at once without thinking. And as he does this, he throws out the black whip, snags all the cars, and lures them to safety. And Todoroki rushes in and delivers a fire punch thing to ending stomach and takes him out. And Endeavor 
goes over and he catches uh, Bakugo and ending, or I guess might just embrace them. It's a little hard. Uh, I, think uh, so, just, I think he just hugs Bakugo and uh, Natsu. So, of course, the point of all of this is the fact that, of course, the three students uh, did what never told them to do. They, they acted faster than he was able to in order to save the day, and each of them took a step forward in a slightly different way. Todoroki and Deku mastering their quirks in different ways, and Bakugo focusing on saving the person in danger rather than doing anything else. And they were able to do this, of course, because Endeavor hesitated, but nevertheless, they did it, and they do demonstrate a lot of progress uh, in executing this so quickly. Um, I have to say that in terms of the big step forward moments uh, that Deku has had in the past. This one is just kind of like, it's really just there. Uh, he was trying to use this new aspect of his quirk while this new quirk really, and uh, he did it. And uh, that's basically it. Uh, I know that, you know, training montages and time skip things, and then suddenly the heroes are better or just a thing in shonen manga. Uh, not really knocking that. I'm comparing the stuff that we've gotten from this sequence to the series itself, though. And it's just kind of there. I don't really feel very strongly about it. Yeah, compared to making, like, one whip that during the, the whatever, the school fights or whatever you want to call them, to mm -hmm. he can make multiple of them kind of at will and he's, like, pulling cars away. It doesn't feel as significant because it's also sharing screen time with two other characters having their big moment. Uh, but that said... I mentioned last week, I was like, if this chapter just opens with all the other characters just fucking busting out there and saving the day because that's the entire point of this arc, then that's what they should do, and that's what they did. So I can't really be angry at the chapter. It's doing what it needs to. Uh, I kind of need to see where all of this goes to kind of resolve because it doesn't, this doesn't feel like a complete story at all. It feels like we got like the setup. And then there was maybe supposed to be a middle somewhere, and then this was supposed to be more towards the end. But it feels like since we didn't get that middle, this kind of <laughs> feels awkward. What does it really felt like we've spent enough time with these kids not being able to catch up to Endeavor or anything like that? Yeah, I, I guess because the, that middle part was more focusing on the family drama stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but also this has just been a very... Not very long, uh, whole sequence with them training, um, so. No, not really. So, I don't know. I, it, I guess it was just a necessary thing in terms of like, okay, we've got to get have a thing where the characters get stronger. Um, but I don't know. In terms of the, it's weird because like this year, pretty much the least interesting aspects of My Hero Academia have been just focused on you know, Deku and company. And the most interesting stuff has been when it goes to other places, whether it be stuff with Endeavor and Hawks or whether it be with stuff with the League of Villains and all of that. And it's just kind of we're, you know, checking in on our, our on our actual main characters and seeing that they're not really up to incredibly interesting stuff. So or maybe this would have just been more interesting if this was just about Todoroki. Yeah, I think so. Like we've stapled on Bakugo and Deku because they also need growth, but this feels like a story that's much more centric around Todoroki, so if it had just been yeah. about him, this would have felt cooler. It kind of dilutes the experience by having them share the spotlight with him. So they don't add anything. We kind of mentioned before that it felt kind of weird for Deku to just spontaneously be like, hey, here's what I think all of your problems are. It's like, maybe this would have been better as just like a three-chapter side story 
that didn't involve Deku at all. And this had just been about Todoroki. But Chris, if we had done that, then in 10 chapters, when Bakugo makes udon for people, we would have never known where he got the recipe from. True. If he makes mafu tofu or mapa tofu, whatever it was, <laughs> and he gets really angry when someone starts like creating kind of like drama at the table. He's just like, hey, you didn't invite me to your thing the other day. Yeah. And he punches them in the face. He's like, no, not again. Never. <laughs> oh, man. Bakugo, thanks for making this meal for us. You know, this reminds me of like the the troubles that have been going on in my life between me and my family. And I was like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Slams their face into the food, knocks them out. All right. Let's move on to Mission Yozakura Family. So I have two things basically to say about this chapter. One, I didn't actually like it all that much. I'll just say that up front. Two, it got a color page, which is a great sign for a jump title at this point in its run. Uh, Samurai 8 didn't get a color page at this point. So, yeah. But Nick, so that's oh, this could be a good forever, sign. Right? Obviously. Yeah, I can't, can't cancel it. No. So hopefully this is a good sign because I like the majority of this series better than I like this chapter. And I want to see more of it. So the big thing in this chapter, which is chapter four, is mission 14 date, is that uh, Taiwo Mutsumi um, go on a date. Now, they don't actually set off with the intent of doing that. Uh, we actually It sort of seems like it's starting off like it might go that way because Tayo is uh, reading in Weekly Spy magazine about, you know, going on a date uh, because, you know, you don't have a whole lot of freedom and you could be neglecting the person close to you, which is very similar, of course, to that chapter we got of Spy Family where uh, now our main couple ended up going on a date. And that was because Lloyd was worried about his cover being blown. And so Tayo is worrying about that. But the reason he actually goes out is because he gets a call from Hatokayama saying that there is something that's going to go on at a carnival. And so he's got or an amusement park, rather. And so he's got to go and stake it out. As it turns out, however, basically everyone who's at the amusement park is either there with their family or friends or as part of a couple. And meanwhile, Tayo is just there being a weird loser all by himself, looking really suspicious. And he's like, oh, this is this is bad. How, how am I going to do this work if everyone thinks I'm super suspicious? But fortunately, Musumi had thought of this and decided to go and join him so that uh, she could help out. So um, we there's a lot of jokes in this chapter about how weird all the other couples surrounding them are because there is a couple that looks, you know, big and muscular and intimidating. There's a couple that's, you know, a couple of really weird looking tattooed punks. There's a couple that look like Secret Service agents but they're all just kind of weird couples. They're not up to anything. There's even a kind of funny moment where like the uh, Secret Service couple, one um, g- gives a diamond to another and they're just very professional about it. It's very cute. Um, and uh, then eventually there is a fight that happens between a couple of people who are apparently very crazy about each other because they have guns with each other's names on them. But well, they get into a fight about this and they start shooting at each other and uh, Tayo has to use his electric gun to uh, knock them out. And it turns out they were an assassin couple, but they were just there to have fun. That was all. There was no exchange apparently going on at all. But nobody got hurt as a result of Tayo uh, handling the situation. And afterwards, uh, Tayo gives a rose to Mutsumi that he wanted to give to her earlier, but it got messed up because of the... Uh, big thing that was going on with the fight 
but he gives uh, Mutsumi the damaged rose and he's like, I'm sorry, I know I, I, it got damaged during the gun battle. And I wanted to show you a good time as thanks for all that you've done for me, but I wasn't able to. Oh, but Mutsumi is blushing because she's embarrassed and shy and because he did something so sweet for her. And uh, she accepts the rose and uh, Tai was like, oh, that's nice. And uh, then at the very end, we cut over to Kyoichiro, who has just learned that, uh, oh, yeah, the married couple has gone on a date. And he's very unhappy about his little sister going on a date with someone. That's about it. So a couple comments on this. One, beginning of this chapter led me to believe this was going to be the chapter we're all about now. And it wasn't at all. It was just it like was a not. one page thing. And I'm he very shows annoyed. up at the very beginning. And that's it. I want my goddamn Buckethead chapter. He's the only one who hasn't had a chapter focused on him. Yeah. It's a bummer. Uh, also, I don't know if anyone here has ever read Black Cat before, but there are a couple images of uh, Bootsby in here that I was like, holy shit, dude, she looks exactly like fucking Kyoko from that series. To the point I was like, I had to look up. Did this did this uh, manga work on Black Cat or something? Or is this the manga for Black Cat? That was a, been a while ago. So. Yeah, that, that's why I was like, I don't think so. But it was weird how much it kind of felt channeled in this chapter. Uh, but the last comment is just the fact that, uh, once again, the series felt like it really had to twist its own premise for the sake of a joke. Mm -hmm. Which felt like it kind of underserves a little bit of it. Like, there are a couple things I found amusing. You know, I... I there's some sort of silly humor in the idea that he falls asleep on a roller coaster because it's actually calm and relaxing mm -hmm. in comparison to stuff he does as a training. Um, and some of like the couple jokes were a little bit funny when he keeps thinking all these different couples are obvious gangsters and all just they're just people in love. Uh, but the actual like end conceit of the chapter just felt I don't know cheap as a way to be like here's some action and an end and a resolution. Uh, all the silliness happened though. Also, I mean, you brought up the point uh, a couple weeks ago about Mutsumi feeling like she's just very there. And this was a chapter that prominently featured her again and was largely about her relationship with Tayo. And she just kind of came off as more bland and normal. Like she she's she's just the character who's there to be helpful and warm and kind to everyone else. And that's not bad in and of itself. But you got to give me a little bit more to sink my teeth into. And I thought that there would be a little, at least a little bit of that. And there wasn't really. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Samurai 8. Sadarma employs his super secret technique that he needed someone nearby to give in case he went unconscious to give back his weapon so that he could actually do it. And he and Hachimaru was there because Hachimaru was like, I guess Dharma needs me and flew up there and gave it back to him. And and now it's chapter 28. Dharma, the initiate and Dharma's back in his 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 regular human form. And he says, I fucking kid you not. Benkei, no more secrets, just like you said. For one thing, I hate keeping the cat in the bag. <laughs> Boo! I would love this character so much more if all he did was make shitty cat puns all the time. Like, he cuts Ben's arm off. He's like, uh-oh, looks like it's kind of catastrophe for you right now. <laughs> he's like, then he cuts him again. He's like, sorry, is this fight too quick? Maybe you'd like a pause button. <laughs> Here, I was thinking you would be like, oh, no, oh, watch out or else you'll lose one of your nine lives. But no, That's you just went for like <laughs> using the word cat. 
<laughs> he throws everything forward. He's like, I hate to catapult you. <laughs> like, you don't have to hit the word cat that much. You've been doing this for an hour and a half. I get what you're doing. It's with a bunch of whips. He's like, I do you like my cat a nine tails? They're like, that's not really a pun. It's kind of where the etymology comes from. So Ben K is like, wait a minute. You're the Congo Yasha Styles Dharma. It's like, yeah, that's right, guys. Dharma is Dharma. And Hachimaru is like, Ah, you're the hero from the samurai game, Dharma. Yes, Dharma is Dharma. I, I had to tweet again about it because I was reading that moment where I was like, what is he talking about? Oh, right. He means Dharma was a, like a mythical character from the video game you played. Oh, right. Dharma created the video game to train Hachimaru to be an expert. Like every time it comes back to my mind, I have to forget that that piece of lore is like actually canon in the universe. And important. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Dharma's like, well, don't get too close to Hachimaru. Stay behind me, kid. And Hachimaru's like, kid, he's acting different somehow. Well, yeah, he's acting you know cocksure and arrogant yes so a turtle flies up behind them i think that it is like i know that it's um you know dharma's like key holder i'm, I'm sorry there's so many terms in this series oh, I, I that what the fuck? i have no idea what happened in this chapter when he like suddenly transformed i was like where did all that shit come from and i was like Oh, yeah, I guess there was a giant space turtle that appeared behind him. Like, it's so hard to, like, read what happens in these chapters, like, in a chapter of Samurai. Because there's just shit in the background of every fucking panel. So you can't actually tell when something happening is significant. Like, in every so, other manga, I feel like if a giant space turtle showed up, I'd have been able to recognize it. But in this series, you could miss it. Yeah, it's the great dot twin. Yeah. So... Dharma says, I'll finish up this fight soon. And Hachimaru says in response, well, you're just saying that because you can't actually see what we're up against. And Dharma's like, huh? Oh, didn't I tell you? I can see. And during battle, my visual sense is activated under AI control. For processing speed purposes, the visual quality is low, but it looks kind of cute to me. And we see that he has vision, but the vision is like, like eight big graphics basically so it's very okay yeah, it's very pixelated and blocky uh which is an amusing visual uh it's tough to buy it where he's like i need the the processing power to not fully develop these meanwhile fucking samurai things like develop instantaneously into like shields and armor and shit i'm like yeah i guess uh the <laughs> turning the graphics setting to medium would probably disrupt this whole system <laughs> gotta turn off yep. shadows and anti-aliasing <laughs> Oh, God. So, so Sorry, my graphics card isn't good enough to handle this. <laughs> <laughs> That's when Hachimaru gets impaled with the spear. He's like, sorry, I need to get upgrade some more RAM. <laughs> Dharma just starts st says like, all right, time to go in. And he just kind of like goes. And he like skips forward like 20 feet. <laughs> oh, no, his ping went up way really high. <laughs> oh, man, is this. <laughs> this existence has some real bad net coding. <laughs> he gets chopped in half and he's like, hacks, hacks. <laughs> My dad works at Microsoft. He's going to ban you. <laughs> um, so Ben K's giant key holder thing 
swinging one of its bladed arms towards them. And Dharma just kind of like holds his sword out to the side and blocks it because he's super strong, guys. And he's like, I'll put on a show for you now. And he blasts it. And Hajimara's like, he's so strong. And uh, Dharma's like, I have no princess anymore. I cannot even use half of the power of my peak. And it is rare that I find this form now. Use Luma time I have to watch what I do and study it. And Hachimaru's like, oh, it's so wild I can't tell what I'm supposed to learn from it. And Dharma's like, well, you will surpass me. What I saw in you is far greater than this. And he 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 kills the thing. He be be he soup <laughs> he sweet It should be a challenge for English literature students to read this moment and describe what happens. So from what I can tell tendrils from Ben K's turtle-shaped key holder extend towards him and envelop him in this bionic bodysuit so that he's got lots of blades and extensions and stuff hanging off of him and he chops up Ben K's form his armored form you mean daruma's key holder yes daruma's key holder yeah, extends over him what did i you said ben k yes uh, my mind is no well obviously nick the situation is very straightforward and easy to understand so uh we'll see make sure no his giant his giant robot turtle which <laughs> also is a spaceship which also is a magical embodiment of all of his armor uh <laughs> He uh, he transforms into it. He Ronin warriors himself, uh, but he still yes. has a, a Bulbasaur or Venusaur like flower petal helicopter thing on his back at the very end. I don't know what that's for. <laughs> <laughs> He's like oh, this Venusaur representing. It's my favorite Pokemon Gen One for life. I have to. You have to understand. The first panel is the tendrils extending from the turtle towards Dharma. The second panel is the tendrils beginning to envelop him. The third is them closing in the face mask of his armor and the fourth one is him fully armored with the follow-through motion of his attack so you never really get a good look of what he's supposed to look like or how large he is for that matter well it doesn't help that they keep giving you these faraway shots because we're supposed to be like they they established before ben k's really really big right now so daruma is like a speck in comparison to him so we keep getting all these shots that are really far away that don't even seem to have a purpose. Like in the panel where he does his big move, the first panel, my master is like this weird faraway shot that isn't even fo focused on Hachimaru. So he closes up in afterwards. You're like, why am I not seeing any real shots of this guy's like what he fucking looks like right now? It's very important to have establishing shots, guys. So Benke recognizes this holder as, as the Yokozuna class holder, Yoken. Yokozunas are samurai related. They're sumo. Like, <laughs> um, he tries to attack with like a leg blade. Now that his arms have been chopped off, and yay, Dharma blocks it, and then jets fire, and he tries to get away, and Dharma goes after him, and, and I was just watching it. The best line. So, so this is what a space battle is like. <laughs> Fucking as we look at a page of incomprehensible gibberish. Like it's just like 
the, the impression you're supposed to get is it's like a scene where it's a bunch of people in the air. You see the schling kind of sound effects from like blades meeting each other, but you can't really get that so well, and it doesn't look cool in the slightest. It's something where you can tell that Kishimoto had not Kishimoto. It is Kishimoto, yeah, my, my mistake. He had an idea in his mind. And he scripted it out. And then when it was passed on to his artist to render it, it didn't quite work out the exact way that he had it in his head. I don't know if it would have been better if he had done it himself or not, because this is all this whole thing is weird and stupid. But anyway, you know, Dharma wins. <laughs> it's interesting you say that. I wonder if when all this is said and done. And I feel bad because I wonder if because I imagine Kishimoto will be okay from this. He'll probably recover and eventually have another series if he wants to. But I hope this doesn't fuck over the artist that they catch some kind of blowback from this. Because I have to wonder if it was if, if it's some kind of miscommunication between Kishimoto and the artist that Kishimoto has all these crazy big high concept ideas that just aren't capable of being conveyed the like practically or they're incomprehensible to anybody else that's not him like this is some Hideo Kojima kike thing and he's just gonna recite what he wants to and you're like you sure the baby's inside of his fucking stomach and it gives a thumbs up I don't all right I'm gonna go with what you say I guess maybe there wasn't enough time in the planning process for one to properly communicate to the other what they needed to be needed to do I don't know. So anyway, Dharma wins. Benke is left with just like his regular body and he's like missing. He's basically like Frieza at the end of uh, the, the Namek saga with the one arm and no other limbs. And Hachimaru's like, oh, he won. And Benke's like, what is this? My body won't regenerate. You can use the Soroken. And Dharma's like, yes, I am an initiate. Of course, I've mastered it. You can't go back to your old body again. It's just like the scar over my right eye. And he grabs Benke and like his his spinal thing is sticking up out of his head. And then he's and then suddenly de- <laughs> they get communication down uh, on the planet. And Kotsuka overhears their conversation because Dharma demands to know why Benke has Yoshitsune's samurai soul. The other samurai soul you have in your stomach, that one undoubtedly belonged to Yushitsune. Do you think I can't deal with key protection as weak as yours? And his computer goes, hacking memory unit. And we see that there is a visual of when Benkei was younger, serving Yoshitsune, apparently. And then there's Kotsuga, uh, you know, also there. And then, ah, dead. The princess is dead and the, the, the ball, the locker ball is there and Kotsuka is just standing in, in front of them. And Dharma's like, I know all your secrets now. <laughs> and he says, you drove Yuchizune to disintegration and now Kotsuka, his own son, is your new tool. And Benke's like, well, now that you know, there's no use hiding it. That's right. I'm the one who stole everything from him. Oh, no, not Yoshitsune, that character who might have been named before i guess I, anyway yeah. yeah oh kotsuko has been has been serving under benkei through deception this whole time okay 
I'm very interested to know more about fucking. Don't you want this douchebag to be redeemed? <laughs> I know. You know, I always thought there was a good character deep down between everything he did to prove the opposite. So I'm very excited to know that he'll he'll learn he's been used all along and he'll become a hero. Uh-huh. All right. Let's talk, Nick. And more specifically, I want to talk because you've talked enough right now. Let's give your throat a rest. About... Well, you're going to have to uh, read a couple chapters in a row. No, no, no you're not. Because I'll do Crunchyroll. Yeah. Uh, I'll do uh, Chainsaw Man, then you'll do Seven Deadly Sins. So. Yeah. But first, we're going to talk about We Never Learn. Question 137. Sometimes a maiden's sweet sentiments are connected <laughs> to a pizza bet. That's actually, like, not a bad, like, it kind of comes all together when yep. it's done that way. Because <laughs> uh, I associate all... sweets. I associate a, a maiden's sweet sentiments with pizza bets all the time. <laughs> let me tell you. <laughs> So uh, we start off where we're early in on the year, and Aruka just asks innocently, what kind of chocolate do you like, uh, Naruki? <laughs> this and is it, actually really adorable. <laughs> he's like, ah, oh, you know, I don't really have a preference. I like all of them. You know, and they're they're good brain food. Uh, so she's like, okay, he likes everything. Got it. And he's like, oh, wait, I know what kind of chocolate I like. Those little square ones. Those are at the supermarket. They're super good. Poke Choco. And, like, you see Ugata's just, like, those are, like, a nickel for one of those. And Firmino's like, I have a couple in my pocket. Do you want them? And he's like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> so sweet. So, like, they come in different flavors. He's like, really? We can only afford basic Pocachoco. Oh, <laughs> Whatever girl ends up marrying Yuiga is going to have such an easy time getting Christmas gifts for him. <laughs> oh, he's going to be excited. He's going to be so happy about fucking everything. <laughs> you got me a planner. Yay. <laughs> Folders. Several colors of them. That'll make organizing them so much easier. Yeah, I, I dropped 10 bucks at, at the Office Depot, man. Like, you, you know, like you have a career now. Like we can. <laughs> 24 pack of crayons. I didn't even know they made this many colors. <laughs> There's a red, Whoa. orange, and an orange red. <laughs> uh, so the girls, are, Ruka specifically, is really fired up. And we see that it's because the three girls are getting ready for Valentine's Day. It's coming up. So they're all going to make chocolate together. And, uh, Ruka's really focused on as she's chopping up chocolate. We get uh, a flashback to five years ago when her and Uega were in uh, junior high. And it was her trying to talk to him and be like, hey, uh, uh, so today is, uh, hey, can I have your homework? And she gets his homework and clearly she was holding a box of chocolates behind her back that she didn't give to him. Her fight. Poor girl. Yeah, her her swimming teammates were saying, come on, just give it to him. So she goes over to his desk and she's like, well, maybe if I just put it in his desk. Oh, wait, what if this is too romantic? What if I, what if he rejects me? You know what? I'll just do it next year. So she runs away with the chocolate. We we get to the, the end of the flashback, basically. Uh, so it's her making this big chocolate. He's been him. trying to do it for five years, Chris. Yes. This poor innocent girl has been in love with the same boy for five years and has never even been able to just like give like even a token of her affection to him 
she's too shy and innocent. It's it's very heartbreaking. I, I it's almost... like I, this is at the level of like it's very close to being annoying. Like you, this I could totally see some people being like, "What the fuck is wrong with this stupid girl?" But and. It, when I look at it, I'm just like, oh, my God, you poor thing. You've been I mean, putting yourself through so much for no reason. Yeah, she's a teenage girl, too, so it's not that shocking. Like, teenagers are super bad at expressing themselves a lot of the time. So there's a level of her just being really young and shy and dorky and just kind of fearing you ain't good reject her. So she's, she's made a very good thing. And she, it's, like, world-class art. Like, this is like a five-star restaurant kind of thing. Like, it's got, like, decorative flowers. It's clean. It's cut. She's like, hmm, maybe some of the details are amateur. It's like, fucking bitch, that's fucking Gordon Ramsay couldn't make that. Uh, so she's like, ah, I'm overthinking it. Maybe I should have changed the chocolate. Uh, and the other two girls are like, help! I'm fucking, I'm fucking <laughs> incapable of doing something. And we see Ogata's failing because she's trying to make chocolate like you would udon. Which... <laughs> Is amazing. <laughs> and Fumino is upset because she keeps chopping chocolate and then it disappears as her mouth's covered in chocolate <laughs> stains. And I'm like, if she's earnest in it, it's the most adorable thing in the world. She's like, where'd all my chocolate go? Chop, chop, chop. Let's go again. <laughs> like immediately after that scene, you see her eating the chocolate she's cutting. So, uh, Oh, she just, yeah, it's given up on, she's given up on eating the small bits of chocolate she's chopped off, and she's just gone. <laughs> uh, she's like, hey, what the fuck, like, Ogata, like, I expected this from Fumino, but you're actually supposed to be good in the kitchen. And she's like, uh, well, actually, it's really just about making udon. <laughs> like, that's the best way to kind of do it. I, I really love the know. way she puts it, because she says, well, with udon, the ultimate cuisine. <laughs> <laughs> there is no food that is superior to udon uh so they decide like aruka's uh, like all right i'll just show you guys here's what you do you chop it up you melt it at the right temperature uh you know you do all this sort of stuff uh it actually is a very complicated process i found out to make chocolate like this like tempering yes. chocolate is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do there so, is a reason why making chocolate is such a staple of you know romantic manga series or romantic subplots and series is because very few people regularly make chocolate like this and then they find out oh it's really hard so like, this is really annoying uh so she does all that she makes it and then she pulls it out she's like see perfect easy right and the other two girls are like oh fuck you <laughs> <laughs> i um, love how fumita well, Fumino's, they're both, both their spirits are leaving their body kind of thing, and Fumino's is munching on chocolate. <laughs> they're like, hey, what, what, why didn't, what, what's wrong with you two? Did you even listen to me? And Fumino's like, you know, I'm not one to talk, but you're not, you're not really the best sort of teacher, by the way. And uh, Ogata stops and says, hey, you know, kind of late to ask, but who are you guys making chocolate for? And the two of them are like, uh, 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 for my friends, you know, uh, just giving it out to the special, you know, no one, no one special, just friendly chocolate for everybody. And Ogata's just like, really? I'm making mine for Nariuki. <laughs> Everyone's like, what the fuck? Like, you see their big face, like, what the fuck? They're like, oh, oh yeah, I guess we'll make some for the, uh, him too, you know? Uh, 
Aruka says, oh, hey, since we're all here, I'm going to show you guys something. She pulls out her junior high yearbook and shows them all a picture of, like, Yueka back at that time. And the girl's like, oh, look at him. He's so cute. So nice to see him in his uniform. I like a little detail. I was like, why is it open so easily to all the photos of Yueka? And <laughs> just uh, uh, Aruka being like, no reason. <laughs> just, you know. Uh, she says, hey, it was him. He was studying for a year end trip. You know, he, he really kind of wanted to do these things. Uh, Ogata says, huh, he seems totally oblivious to the people around him. And Fudo's like, you're getting kind of mouthier these days, Ogata. <laughs> What's up with that? <laughs> and Fumina's like, oh, you know, I wish we could have gone on like a year-end trip together. So Uruko's like, why don't we do that? And all the girls are like, yay, let's do it. We could go to a hot spring resport or something like that. And Ogata's like, no, what? it's not fair. You have this book and I don't. I want it. Give me the book. So they give her the book for in exchange for three bowls of udon. Uh, no, no, no. No, no, no. She, that's not what happens. <laughs> no, Fumino's like, oh, reach in. She'll trade it to you for three bowls of udon. And Uruka's like, no, I won't. <laughs> yeah. So they're all focused on the going to a school and festival or a school and trip. And uh, everyone's like, oh, cool. It'll be great. Naryuki's a gentleman. We don't have to worry anything about it. And he's so lucky getting chocolates from three cute girls. So they, they cut to school. Aruka literally fucking floats in through the school doors. Her friends are like, oh, my God. She's not even touching the ground. She's fucking literally just floating through with a big stupid expression. She floats straight down to Uega, is ready to give him her chocolates for the first year. And he turns, and he's like, hey, good morning. And she sees he has chocolates fucking everywhere. <laughs> he has two giant bags full of them. They're in his backpack. Some of them are in his scarf. Like, he's fucking stocked with chocolates. So. This, this poor girl. <laughs> she's to me like, how does he have so much? <laughs> I do appreciate the idea. Because this would have been so much more of a worse series if we had to buy the fact that Uwega is this kind of person. And the school wouldn't just fucking love him. Like, if they tried to be like, oh, Uwega oh, yeah. kind of, like, gets picked on a lot. Like, no, everyone in this fucking school should love the shit out of this kid. He's so because honest he helps- and endearing and helps everybody. Yeah, that's the thing is that he literally anyone who is in need, he ends up helping them if they're anywhere around him. So, yeah, I, I, I get that's what my immediate impression is just that literally like he's been walking down the hall and people are like, hey, Uyga, thank you for everything you do. And yeah. that's and he's just had to do that like 300 times so far. But from the looks of things, I was like, if it's any other excuse that it's nonsense, he should just be the most popular kid in school. It's possible that he is carrying someone else's stuff uh, so that they can give stuff out right now. Yeah, yeah. In which case, he will end up with one of those as thanks for doing this. But yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, we're actually getting a little Valentine's Day storyline, which I'm surprised we haven't gotten that before now. But uh, I guess that, I mean, it makes sense because everything has technically taken place inside of one calendar year in canon. It's just kind of weird to think that it's, it's this late in the series before we get that for a romantic comedy series. All right. Uh, Chainsaw Man. It's chapter 48. Kaboom, kaboom, kaboom. Uh, so Reese and Denji fight in this chapter. And that's almost the entirety of it. Uh, it's an awesome fight. 
where Denji gets his ass kicked a lot and Freeze is actually talking to him and giving him advice on how to fight better while they're fighting because she clearly has a much greater mastery of her devil powers than Denji does. She tells him he can't just swing his chainsaws around. He actually has to understand his powers. And so Denji's like, ah, and then he sees that uh, she has left a finger on his chainsaw and she holds up her hand to indicate that that is her finger. There's a little fuse coming out of for her finger. And uh, she goes, boom. And the explosion goes off. And when the smoke uh, finally clears, Denji comes roaring out of it again. And she blows up on him. Uh, knocks him up into the air. She does the big DBZ combo thing. But not after knocking him up in the air, she goes up after him, beats him all the way up. She transforms her leg into a missile and seemingly launches him down into back into the ground. And uh, some there are some bystanders eventually who see him and uh, she observes that his body is regenerating and she's like, huh, all right. Uh, but he's basically just a legless torso at this point, still trying to fight her. And she just holds him up by the neck and explodes him uh, possibly multiple times. Because there are multiple boom sound effects, it seems like. Finally, the smoke clears and uh, Denji is now just a head with part of a torso attached. Doesn't even look like he's bleeding anymore because maybe his wounds have cauterized. And so she starts just carrying off his body as she walks over a bunch of bodies uh, along the way. But one of the bodies that she walks over is Hayasaka's, who uses this to sneak attack her. And the final page of the chapter is a big full page spread of him cutting off the arm that is holding Denji with his sword. And that's it. Uh, very fast paced chapter. Some really cool action, though. Oh, yeah. so the action is supremely awesome. There is something so cool about the way she like, you know, she blows up the building, watches all the smoke. Denji erupts from it and without fucking like in this cool panel of him screaming with the chainsaws. <laughs> She immediately just punches him up in the air, like, just as cool as a fucking cucumber, just fucking knocks that dude into the air and starts blowing him up. It's so fucking awesome. Uh, she looks, Reze just looks awesome again, like, just the coolest fucking character. Uh, the only thing is sort of weird, and I get what they're going for with Aoki. It is weird the way he, like, gets up, and the last panel makes it look like he just kind of walked over the side, like he crap walked in a little bit, and he's like, eh. He just cut the arm off. <laughs> he's also making a really weird face as he does it, too. Yeah. He's just so, kind of... Mm. Like, I get it. It's supposed to be that he's really silent right now, that he's being really, like, kind of, like, tactful and everything like that. But, uh... Is it Aki? Or Aoki? I thought it was Aoki. Maybe it's Aki. It's been a little I think bit it's Aki. Yeah, I haven't thought of his name in a little bit. It's just weird the way, like, we see, like, the panel of him swinging, and then it just kind of looks... It almost looks like, like a gif or something like that. Like, he just came in, like, his cheeks should be puffed out, and he's like... Burp. But it's super cool. I'm very interested to see it how is this a goes. And uh, I'm also pretty interested to see the implication of what she was talking about. How uh, there's probably a power more to the Chainsaw Devil that he's not really utilizing right now well the only stuff that we've really seen denji do because we haven't really seen him get like a power up um we've seen him summon a blade on his leg 
Uh, and I think that the first time that he used the chainsaw devil, he just had the head saw and the arm saws. But other than that, it's not like he's gotten a power up or anything like that. And Reyes has demonstrated far greater versatility with her ability than he has, you know, with the way that she transforms her body into different types of bombs. Uh, she, you know, has used both parts of her body as bombs and regenerated them. And yeah, so there's, it seems as though Denji's straightforward thinking um, is kind of preventing him from fulfilling his full potential. So. All right. Let's talk about the seven deadly sins, Nick. Chapter 334, the end of an era. There should be a question mark at the end of it based off this chapter. Uh, so our heroes have won. They're triumphant. And we see kind of stretched across Britannia, a whole bunch of different characters talk about like, hey, the whole ominous magic that was evil is gone. They must have done it. They succeeded. Everybody, three cheers for the seven deadly sins. Let's let's hold a festival for them today in their honor and everything like that. And we cut over to Gelthunder, Howitzer, and God, I can't remember the third guy <laughs> in this group. Uh, the only ones I guess are actually important would just be like Hauser and Gelthunder. I guess only Gelthunder is actually significant in this group right now. They're talking about basically. Well, aside from this chapter in which, um, well, anyway. Yeah. So specifically, Gilthunder, they're talking about how one of the seven deadly sins died in that battle. And they're talking about Escanor. They're like, yeah, it must really suck that that legendary group lost one of their members. It'd be like, well, if one of our team lost one of our members, you're like, I think you'd lose one of your members and no one would really know. Um, but it's Gilthunder being like, yeah, Lord Escanor was ready to die. He was happy. He was smiling. He was ready to gladly stake his life for his friends. And that's just not anything, you know, anyone can do. And uh, Hauser's like, you know what? I look up to that guy. I want to be a holy knight like him some too, someday, too. And they're all like, yeah, you know what? Let's do it. Let's have a drink to the seven deadly sins, to the lions and the pride, to the tomorrow that they protected. And it's very nice that the demon sin of pride or the deadly sin of pride is the one who is now being looked up to by everybody else after his big, brave sacrifice. <laughs> so the three of them are drinking. And then who should show up? But Vivian! Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> you thought the series was over, but it turns out there may be more after all. Another rock there, may fall on Elizabeth. There might actually be more. So, I'm going to stop trying to predict this because we've been wrong multiple times, and I'm not going to assume anything because this thing that they're implying is going to happen could take five chapters to resolve. Or it could be an entire other story arc. I'm not going to bother trying to predict it. <laughs> Someone uh, messaged me. They're like, hey, what are you guys going to do when Seven Deadly Sins, We Never Learn, and I forget the other series. The Promise Never, they're like, when they all end next year. And I was like, well, assuming any of those actually end next year, because, I mean, The Promise Neverland actually probably might. But Probably we never learn, I don't think, is going to end next year. And I have no fucking clue if Seven Deadly Sins is ever ending. Because every time I think it's like, all right, let's wrap this up, B. They're like, oh, one, one, one more thing. So Vivian's still alive. And she's here to talk about how now there is an imbalance between light and shadow. And that brings times of chaos. And she's been brought back through the power of love. And she's dancing around. And 
is old. And they're like, no, she hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, no. Well, don't you remember? Dreyfus said, don't die, Vivian. If a woman like you dies, it would be a loss for all of Britannia. No, it would be a loss for me. And Hauser's like, Dreyfus said that? Gilthunder's like, he said this is too cruel. But after that, I mean, all he did was have Hendrickson cast a ton of recovery magic. So I think she's just bullshitting a lot of it. So she's basically talking like, oh, yes, they lifted the curse that afflicted me everything. Thanks to the blessed magic of the goddess. And I'm over you, Gil. I found true love. I see rather than love another, a woman should be loved. It's very, uh... It's very Emma Watson of you. You're in a committed relationship <laughs> with yourself. That's the way to kind of approach things. Uh, and then eventually Guild Thunder's like, hold on, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. What did you mean when you said about times of chaos? And she's like, oh, well, I don't know. She just had a habit of saying that when the balance between light and shadow breaks down, it will mark the end of the age of the gods and chaos will return. Then the world will be reborn. I don't get it. Then you can ask it herself. Ask the boar sin of greed, Merlin. And we cut over to fucking Arthur, who's somewhere with a fucking sword in his chest. Yeah, because we see the celebration going on with the remaining uh, members of the Seven Deadly Sins among all the members of the kingdom and stuff. They're celebrating, but it seems as though Merlin is lost in thought about this uh, this boy that she cared so much about. And also, we had said back when he when he when he died and they kept on talking about it, I was like, is he actually dead and this is all done? Because it feels kinda of weird. So I'm not too I'm really not surprised to see that they're coming back to this point because it did seem like it was a bit of a thread that had just kind of like been left dangling. So It was also noted last week when Escanor kind of teased that Merlin was up to something and mm-hmm. everything like that. Some people in the chat are saying this is actually maybe a planned spinoff for an Arthur manga, and that this is sort of a setup for that, but not necessarily going to be a direct continuation of Seven Deadly Sins. Who knows? It's just after, like, three straight months of feeling like we were winding down, it was suddenly a very big, like, but there might be more! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Good chapter, though. I don't have any complaints. Uh-huh. All right, let's talk about the Promised Neverland, chapter one hundred fifty nine. Thank you, with a very cute color page where where you see Emma dreaming of a time when all, her and all the kids were like going to like a, uh, I guess it's a New Year's celebration thing. I don't know what this thousand year candy is. I'm just going to say that up front. I don't. I don't get it. Uh, if someone wants to tell me. Go ahead. But it's a very like Japanese thing because the kids are wearing kimonos and stuff. Uh, and Emma and Ray and Norman are very much acting like proud parents as they're watching the younger kids like Phil and uh, Carol and Alicia. So anyway. Um, <laughs> so the queen's dead. Uh, we get three pages of her dying, even though she was dead at the end of the last chapter, establishing that she really wanted something and she was very greedy and gluttonous when we knew that at the end of the last chapter. Anyway, she wants, she wants, she wants, she wants the high grade meat, the three kids that are now standing before her, but she's not getting it because she's dead. This time she's super definitely ultra mega dead. She's very dead. Dead, dead, dead. 
Zazie is okay. Thank God. Uh, thank goodness. And uh, they're watching over him. Mujika looks up at the queen's melting corpse and realizes that now she won't be pursued any longer. No one will be killed because they're pursuing her. Uh, she thinks of her parents and everyone else who died as a result of this. Uh, and also Sanju looks up and realizes that the queen is dead. All the five region houses are dead. The world is going to have to change. The humans have done it. And also, he looks over at Emma. She even created a promise with da-da-da-da. And he thinks to himself, is that okay? Because he realizes that the new promise that Emma made is implemented. I won't be able to eat humans anymore. I won't even see them again. And he, we flash back to when he said to himself, I can't wait for the day when I can eat as many humans as I want. Chris, do you remember when this happened? Because when this chap, when I read this chapter for the first time, I was like, all right. That was a thing that they thought, that they brought up <laughs> because the very first time that they met Sonju and Mujika after the kids were gone, there was that ominous moment where Mujika and Sonju were talking and Sonju said this. It hasn't been brought up at all I, or even I, implied since he came back uh, when um, Don and Gilda found them and everything. I definitely do remember there being an ominous tone to the way Sanju and Musica and the group left. Like there was a scene after they left that was seemed to indicate there was something else, like sinister going on potentially. Right. And I just kind of forgot about it. Because it was like a hundred chapters ago. And then when they showed up again, there's no follow up until literally just this moment. <laughs> now, it would have been a plot hole if it were never, you know, brought up again during this whole sequence. But someone would have had to bring it up and I would have been like, all right. Yeah, I guess that was. A thing. <laughs> so it, it kind of felt like it came out of nowhere when this was brought up. Um, and it's kind of the crux of this chapter, too, because this is a Sanju centric chapter about him dealing with the way the world is going to change now and basically coming to terms with it when I had completely forgotten that this was something he was going to have to come to terms with. This is why you have, you know, a, you have a setup and a reminder and then a payoff as opposed to just a setup and a payoff without any reminder. Anywho. Uh, everyone kind of like goes over what's happened and Ray brings up the fact that, hey, there might be, you know, confusion and riots. Uh, there could be a civil war as a result of all of this. Uh, you know, what are we going to do? Because there's no leadership amongst the demons. And Emma brings up, well, maybe Sanju could be the next king because he's the next. He's the queen's younger brother. He's part of the royal family. But uh, Sanju says, no, no, I can't do that. I mean, it would be different if Iverk or Bayon were alive, but I don't have the connections. I don't know how to govern. Makes sense. He's been in a forest somewhere for hundreds of years and. But he also says, and more importantly than that, I'm a traitor for 700 years. I've just been a rebel and I would be rejected and there would just be more confusion as a result. But Mujica tells Emma and the others, hey, just don't worry about this. You guys have to head back to your base and protect your friends. It will be easier to contain everything if the citizens don't see the involvement of humans. This was a civil war among us. We could still maintain that pretense. And what's important is that we don't let any more citizens die and we shouldn't fan the flames of hate by having you guys be involved. 
But she also says, you know, also, I've got a really bad feeling because with all the Imperial soldiers heading out towards you. Yeah, it'd be really bad if your base was attacked. So you've got to go and take care of that. So I've got a plan. Don't worry about it. Go take care of this. So Emma gives her a big hug and thanks her. Uh, and so Sanju thinks to himself, I can't just let it be this way. But then he gets clumped. Emma hugs him around the waist. And he's like, huh? I wasn't thinking about killing all of you. No, no, definitely not a thing that I was thinking about doing right now. And Emma says, thank you too, Sanju. I met a lot of demons, but still only a small part of those out there. I thought a lot about demons, ourselves, eating, taking our lives. And I thought about death. And I don't want my family to be killed, and I would never want them to be eaten. But I don't want to be killed or eaten either. But I imagine that if I had to die, if I had to die, then I wouldn't mind being eaten by you or Mujika. So, I think... What? (laughs) I get the sentiment she's saying... It's just worded really, really strangely. Like, I, I, I think what she's trying to express is she's like, hey, I I don't want to die. But if sort of like in a way, she's like, I wouldn't feel angry if I if if I was eaten by you guys. Like if the circle of life kind of continued and you demons like you demons had to eat me. Like, I don't have this sort of anger or hatred towards you or what you do. Like, that's the cycle of life that this goes to. It's just a really weird way of phrasing it with, like, I wouldn't mind being eaten by you and Mujica. I'm like, are we getting Emma's vor fetish right yeah. now or something? Like, what are you talking about? It, it really is. Because, I mean, <laughs> when you get into certain things in terms of, like, being harmed in a certain way. And then you're like, I wouldn't mind if you did. It just, it just starts. It immediately becomes creepy. Now, I, I I'm with you in term in the sense that if she's like, if anyone was going to eat me in order to survive, I would prefer that it be you guys. I get that, but still, this was really weird because she doesn't say that. She says, if I had to die, then I wouldn't mind if you guys ate me. I would personally prefer to, you know die very old in my sleep surrounded by my loved ones but yeah sure getting eaten by a guy that's you know a close acquaintance sure sure close second yeah i'm sure like again i think it's maybe it's just a really difficult sentiment to translate between languages and finding the right words for this are very difficult because you're not even just saying like it's a circle life you have to understand language you have to imagine an animal saying like hey you know what i'd like to just be a happy animal my entire life but if i had to be eaten by you my best friend this human i'd be okay with that <laughs> but like evolve it that ever like you have to love like both sides have to speak and be sentient so it's like it's a weird level that's hard to comprehend exactly but i get what she's going for weird execution <laughs> So she thanks Sanju and Mujika once again, a very heartfelt uh, way, saying that, you know, the entire reason that they were able to accomplish all this and get this far is because the two of them helped. And then they run off. They leave. They go to and go protect their family. And as they're gone, Mujika turns to Sanju and says, hey, is this all right? You know, you're not going to be able to eat humans anymore. And Sanju literally goes, ah! So... He handles this maturely. Uh, Mujiga brings up, you know, yeah, I told them I have a plan. Um, I don't. Uh, don't know what to do. And Sanju's like, well, I have an idea. 
it's it's reckless. It's all or nothing, but I, I have an idea. And so they set off. Emma and everyone else are heading back to the base. And uh, Norman brings up, you know, this situation's bad because, you know, according to what the Queen said, the one who is commanding the Imperial Army is probably the current head of the Rattree clan, Peter Rattree. So there's one more antagonist to deal with. And uh, that is what lies ahead of us. So, yeah, that was a thing that happened. Odd chapter. I'm looking forward to where we go from here. I'm kind of glad that the, the demon stuff's done. And uh, let's see where we kind of wrap up. Yep. All right, Nick. Let's talk about Black Clover. Page 230. I'll crush you. <laughs> so Asta broke into the tank that moves off of consuming everybody. And I, I think we get a brief retcon to make this tank make a little bit more sense. Because Asta breaks in, smashes everybody. And he's like, hey, don't worry, I'm not going to hurt anybody. And they're like, no, they use us to move this fortress. They drain us until all of our magic is gone. But the implication is that they then, I guess, throw them to the side until they can regain magic and then do it again. Um, we still don't get any explanation for what this facility really does or why it's out here. Everyone's like, we can't escape because this is a strong magic region. So... I guess they'll just die from latent strong magicness. Uh, but Man, they, who I tell you, Chris, who would force people to have their magic drained in order to cause a moving building to be powered? Who would do that? Who would ever do such a thing as having everyone stand near the person who drains their magic and forcing them to constantly recharge and give their magic over? That sounds like a really fucked up thing to do. That's different. Nick, he's their friend. <laughs> The people, the, the dark mages or whatever, Sally and the others weren't their friends at that point, though. They're forcing them to do it, too. Yeah, well, they were dicks, so they deserve it. Uh, it's only anyway, bad when you do it to innocent people who, I don't know. Anyway. These guys could cheat on their taxes. It's going to be dickheads, too. Maybe, maybe their magic should be drained to move this random tank, spider tank. It's really, it's really bad for an invading force to take control of the Diamond Kingdom. It's way better if we just use blood magic to control the king's mind. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so everyone's like, "No, there's no way you'll be able to beat everybody." There's a whole bunch of soldiers and everything. That's like, I don't care. So he beats everybody. <laughs> you could cut like pretty six, much. You could cut like six pages out. It's asked to just beat up the entire castle full of people. And gets to the end boss, who's like, you have the power of the devil in you, too. And then the smoke reveals, and you can tell immediately by the design, you're like, oh, you're not actually the important character. There was a moment I was like, maybe we're going to... Oh, meet. you look really plain. You've just got the crazy eyes. I was like, maybe we're going to meet an important character to the, like, the, the format of this arc and everything like that. And then you see him, and you're like... Oh, never mind. Ass is going to waste you in a second. And you're like, oh, he has the bit of the devil in him because he has poison magic. Oh, I've never seen anyone with poison magic, Chris. No, it's very evil. I want I want to start a running tally, though. So I'm not going to count this one because I think I could justify poison magic fitting somewhere in the traditional elemental scale or whatever. But I want to start a running tally because they mentioned you're like, well, the Clover Kingdom is where all the crazy powers are because you guys are just unorthodox and crazy. 
I want to see how many members of the Spade Kingdom have weird, wacky bullshit like fucking like, oh, I have teleportation, uh, butt magic or some shit like that. <laughs> like everyone's gonna have something wacky and weird. So I just want to start a count going forward. Has it started now? I think Poison's fair enough to be like, eh, I, I can, I can see it, but I want to start it. Uh, it doesn't matter. He he just gets fucking clowned immediately. <laughs> Has to channels his third sword. And because of that, it cleanses all of the poison inside of him. And he beats the guy in one big swing. And he says, hey, you know what? Sacrificing for the sake of your country. You want to fight? Fine. You said you had the devil's power, but it's only a tiny piece of it. And uh, he beats the guy. Uh, literally, I think Slash is so hard. He cuts the fucking tank, like, city part above it, like, slices it across, and the whole thing kind of slept, separates, and then we see the visage of a devil looking over it, and ominous. I'm assuming that's the Spade Kingdom devil that we're supposed to be hearing about, um, like a tease to it. Or maybe it's Asta's devil. It might be. I'm assuming we're supposed to be getting more teases to it. But then again, I don't know. This 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 entire thing is very odd to me because there's no, like, it's supposed to be a big moment of, like, Asta beats up these people who are dickheads. And he looks super cool. Look at him just beating up everybody. It's like, he was doing that before. And we don't know these people. <laughs> like, this isn't, like, a big payoff. This isn't, like, the, the Celestial Dragons where, like, you were watching them be shitheads for, like, three months and everyone was afraid to do something before luffy finally just punched one this is like last chapter introduced like hey the spade kingdom are dicks next chapter asta's defeated the spade kingdom well one guy in the yeah, spade kingdom but yeah we, we haven't actually seen the whole thing but all the spade kingdom evil goers outside the one guy that got teased before has been defeated so far pretty much yeah <sighs> All right. Just yeah. I I have no thoughts on this chapter of Black Clover by the way. It was very literally it felt like it was just the same as the last chapter and the last chapter was just too long to be one chapter. So they made it two. Chapter 963 of One Piece Becoming Samurai. So, uh we get a little bit of a flashback within a flashback basically uh of how um Dog Storm and Cat Viper heard the tale of how hundreds of years in the past, the minks and the samurai of the Kozuki clan of Wano made an unbreakable pact to be brothers and that if anything should happen to either side, the other would rush to their aid. Uh, and so basically we see Cat Viper and Dog Storm hear about that. And they're like, huh, foreign country. All right, let's go see it. And there is a really, a really funny moment because they're out in this, you know, little boat going across the, the ocean. They're like, oh, where are all the islands? I heard there were a bunch. And one of them's like, yeah, I heard that there were more than five islands in the world. That many? Wow. It's so adorable. I can't tell how old they're supposed to be at the time, but they look like they're like six. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we cut ahead to after the point that they have been found by uh, Komosubi. Uh, and they got captured. And so all three of them have lumps in their head from when they were knocked out and they're up on tied up on stakes, uh, distraught. Um, and, uh, so they're like, oh, wow, there's a monster dog and a monster cat and a river imp here. Is that beach cursed? Let's burn them. Uh, fortunately, uh, Odin is just out in the ocean fishing 
he's got a huge fish on a, on a rope and he sees that these little kid monsters have been, you know, attacked. And so he beats up all the people who have tied them up and he's like, Hey, you know, you guys should be ashamed of yourselves. You only fear what is different out of ignorance. It is pathetic for you to torment little children. Bye. He just leaves them tied up. The it's the best moment where he beats up everybody and he's like, goodbye. And they have to be like, don't leave us. What the fuck? And so he does end up taking them back to his castle in Curry. And they end up getting fed. And uh, they, so they're, they're all th- thanking him. Uh, although they make a, they keep on making jokes about Cat Viper having a cat's tongue, a sensitive tongue, because there's, you know, hot food and he keeps on having difficulty eating it because it's hot. Anyway, while this is going on, they're talking about who they are. And um, so, you know, Cat Viper throws a bit of a fit and then they bring up Komosubi and uh, he says, you know, the boat that was carrying mother and I sank and we washed up on this land. But when we sought help, they threw rocks at us and called us fishmen. But mother was injured and we couldn't get back home. When mother was dying, she told me that fishmen are oppressed all over the world. So I should claim that I am a Kappa. So I am Kawamatsu the Kappa and I've been living on scraps and leftovers. So interesting detail there. So he thanks uh, Odin's life, of course. Uh, Cat Viper and Doc Storm feel guilty over, uh, well, Cat Storm rather, uh, Cat Viper rather feels guilty over uh, wasting the food earlier when he knocked it away and he helps to clean it up. It's still too hot. He burns himself again. Poor guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's just such a cat thing to do where he's just like, eh, this food is very good. It's so hot. And he knocks it off the table. And then it's because he's supposed to be like a good, fun character. He feels bad about it afterwards. But as soon as he starts eating it, he starts bitching. It, he's like, eh, it's still too hot. <laughs> so Odin wishes them all well. And he's like, oh, wow. You know, there are really strange creatures out in the world. And after I've met you guys, I'm really looking forward to going out to see even more than than before. Uh, and he's like, ah, be well, all of you. And then they're like, let us stay here. <laughs> We're orphans. <laughs> well, Cat Viper and Dark Storm aren't orphans, but they're stranded. <laughs> so, uh, so you know, the, the, the castle is even more active at this point. Um, we, we see that uh, Odin has actually been lending more money to Orochi. Uh, and he's like, oh, yeah, he might be on his own now. He, but, you know, he, he was one of Yasu's men and I can't just, you know, abandon him like that. So Odin's too good a guy for his own good, basically. Uh, we see um, that uh, there's some more stuff going on, like Rizo teaches some of them about how to be sneaky like a ninja. Uh, we cut over to uh, Yasuge's money has been stolen. Uh, and... Uh, so presumably like they were having financial troubles as a result of uh, Odin being bad with money. So a bunch of his men tried to steal it. And Yasuya is like, oh, good God, where do you find these people? All right, guys. He's got like literally all of Odin's men tied up in front of him. I guess they all tried to steal it together. Yeah, like, they all like, just tried to steal all of his money. And he's like, you can have the money you tried to steal. Uh, and of course this is over the objections of some of his men. He's like, Aaron, take some of this as well. He gives them even more money. And, and so Kinemon demands like, what are you, what are you working at? And Isuye says, you love Odin, correct? Well then use these coins to clean yourselves up, to practice manners, 
buy books, learn things. If he has ruffians like you for vassals, Odin will only embarrass himself. And one day he will be Shogun of Wano. Those who serve and support him must be the greatest samurai in the land. Not only must you protect your liege, you will do the same for the capital and eventually all of Wano. You will be our guardian deities. And so we get this huge montage of all of, uh, of Odin's vassals learning, getting nice robes, uh, you know, treating themselves properly, uh, learning how to do stuff better. Uh, I do like that, you know, they're all practicing good tail manners and Odin's like, what's wrong with all of you? You guys are creepy now. <laughs> and uh, three years pass by as they're all bettering themselves. And we see that uh, Odin and his vassals are going into the flower capital and uh, they're everyone there is expecting them to just be common thugs. Instead, they show up. They all look proper. Kinemon's hair is black now instead of, you know, the lighter color, which was much more, you know, punkish. Everyone's looking very serious and regal uh, in this big parade with Odin uh, up on a pedestal. And they're like, wow, they always looked so gallant. And the sight of the bold warriors proud and tall was stunning enough to make the crowd forget to breathe. It was said that the weight of their arrival upon the gathering watchers was so great that it caused the capital itself to sink just a little bit. And uh, Odin goes and approaches his father and uh, he's, he's like, wow, you know, my son, you've, you've, you've become a great man and we are all stunned by your turnaround. And Odin says, well, I've only been made great. I haven't changed a bit. Uh, and, and Odin's father is shocked by his behavior. Uh, Orochi is still uh, watching everything because he's a little asshole who wants to steal everything for himself. And we get narration that says that uh, Odin visited the capital, hearing that his father was ill, but Sukiyaki uh, was actually invigorated, and so he was relieved, but this would be the last day they ever exchanged words. So later that year, at port, we see that Whitebeard and his crew have uh, have arrived. They've gone up the falls the same way that we saw uh, before in the present. So everyone's washed up on shore. His huge ass whale ship is partially capsized, and we and we do get quite a few cameos from people you know in their younger days. Uh, I forget what his name is. I think was Marco. It was Marco and I, <sighs> Josu. I want to say maybe was the diamond guy. I think that's Vista with the two swords, but he doesn't have the trademark mustache, so I don't know. But uh, I really want to know, and I can't remember if we ever saw this character before, who the dude with the fucking chain chomp is. Because that shit yeah. was dope, and I was like, I don't remember you showing up in that war. I remember like a lot of other minor characters that I didn't give a fuck about, but you I would have remembered. But maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he was all over and I'm an asshole. So they're all trying to figure out what to do now that they've uh, washed up on shore. And uh, meanwhile, in the in uh, Curry, everyone is reacting to uh, the fact that one, Odin is missing and two, a pirate ship has washed up at uh, Itachi port. So they're like, oh, maybe Odin has gone to drive them off. Well, let's hope that he, that's what he's doing. Uh, Edward Newgate senses that uh, Odin is approaching and uh, tells them all to be alert. Odin rushes in and he's like, ah, well done. You've made it past foul weather and raging falls and I've been awaiting you. And he draws his sword. Uh, Whitebeard swings his glaive and the two clash blades and a huge explosion, which knocks everyone else back. And Odin laughs and he says, my name is Kazuki Odin. 
I do not know who you are, but I ask you, let me ride on your ship. So that itch to explore appears to have uh, be taking Odin away from the country. So this is a cool chapter. Yeah, I think this was a really well done chapter. I like seeing sort of this slow reveal of like, hey, these guys were really rowdy and they were all kind of weirdos, but they love this guy and they want to do everything. They wanted to steal money for him because he was such a nice guy who was giving his money away to somebody he didn't even really need to. But that guy just had so much respect. So they have this admiration for him. So like, we'll steal money for him. And the guy's like, hey, look, if you really respect this guy and you really want to honor him, shape yourselves up like become a worthy court for him learn things get manners buy books like become worthy partners for him and you see that in the two-page spread just how stoic cool and respectful all of them look and you're like yeah you know what we've kind of been doing stuff a long time that like we hadn't spent enough time with these characters and i'm like yeah i buy every part of this and i kind of feel it where i'm like yeah, all these characters did kind of grow and change out of a mutual respect for this guy who didn't ask it of them, but they did it for him because they knew it would help him succeed to even greater lengths. It's a very cool big visual to see and a very cool change to see just over time through like this arc and these last few flashback chapters. Yeah. Uh, so this was a Pretty short uh, episode of Weekly Manga Recap, guys, just because there were fewer chapters than normal to discuss. And also some where not a lot happened, admittedly. But uh, we thank you guys for joining us. Uh, let's go through what our favorites were, Chris. Uh, so my favorite chapter this week is going to be One Piece. I thought One Piece was really, really strong this week. Uh, for character of the week... <laughs> that I'm more... Okay. Caught up on. I'll wait to hear what you think. Well, my uh, favorite chapter this week was We Never Learn. I thought it was a funny chapter, but there were also some, you know, heartfelt moments. I actually really liked the moment where Ogata just cuts the bullshit and is like, yeah, I'm giving some chocolate to Narayuki because he's done a lot for me and I want to show my appreciation for him. You know, she doesn't necessarily say like, oh, it's because I'm in love with him. It's just like, no, it's like. I freaking owe him a token of gratitude, you know, and uh, everyone's like, oh, yeah, we should do that. I like that. I really like, you know, the, the stuff focusing on Aruka and how she's been trying to do this for a long time. And I just love the closing moment of Yuiga already weighed down with all the chocolates that he's been given already. Uh, my character for this week is going to be Yusuye uh, going over the moment where he tells everyone to, you know, get their act together. Uh, I really like that. And it shows just the amount of influence that he had in this story in this region. Uh, and it, the more that we learn about him in this in this uh, backstory, the more that his death in the present uh, kind of has weight to it. And you know what? It, it seems cheap to do it. because I feel like I've done it a couple of weeks now. Maybe I haven't. I guess I haven't. I'm going to give it to Reze. I think it was just super cool seeing mm. her turn her leg into a, a fucking, <laughs> like, missile and blow him up. And just that uppercut. And just how cool and the competent she looks in all that. With how, like, effortlessly it felt like she just battered the shit out of uh, 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 Denji. Denji, that's it. Denji. Uh, how much they just fucking uh, blast him away. So I'm, I'm going to give it to Reze. Uh, yeah, the audience. I get that. 
picked Mishijo's Sakura Family as their favorite chapter this week. And Sanju from the Promised Neverland was the MVP. Oh, fair enough. All right, guys. <laughs> I disagree on both counts, but whatever. I guess, <laughs> I guess fucking everyone can vote. All right, fucking vote. Whatever. You're entitled to your fucking opinion, I guess. I'm just kidding. All right, guys, thank you for joining us here on Weekly Manga Recap. We record the show uh, Wednesdays around 7.30 to 8 Eastern time in the evening. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter for updates at Dubermar Podcast, at Rolo T, at Nick F Time. Uh, you can also check out our past episodes on weeklymagarecap.podbean.com, on YouTube, and on iTunes, and leave a comment, rating, subscribe, all that good stuff so that uh, you can help us out in the algorithm right to the top of the hobby section we also want to give special thanks to our Patreon supporters. You allow us great bonus content. We want to thank Steve Manor Tarkarst. Uh, you can find his artwork in a bunch of different places where he draws busty girls. And sometimes just, you know, girls' butts, you know. I, and just, yeah, you know, thinking... sometimes not, sometimes non-lewd stuff, but generally speaking, I'm just... <laughs> yeah, just as a heads up. Like I, like I did have eye draw boobs as a Tumblr handle, handle so... Yeah, you know, I never even thought about that. I guess that dude really got fucked over when they took pornographic content yeah. off. But <laughs> there's not not a lot that you can do about that. Oh man, what are you gonna do when your Tumblr account is I draw boobs and they're like, all right, PG thirteen from Tumblr now? <laughs> Fuck, man, it's dirty. They did them dirty. Special things as well to Ninja X three I. You can check out the polls and everything they maintain. The Google sheet that uh, contains all of the recommendations stuff we go through the vote votes for mvp and favorite series also check out uh, the twitter handle wmr votes uh it's an easier place to follow the polls and stuff that they conduct infamous planet for the uh visual frame that we have for our streams and uh milo jack stillitz check out their soundcloud wednesday Dale chair check out their youtube for making the opening title for wmr yes it's good doing are we uh we're ready to head off I think that we are going to. Okay. All right, guys. So. Just uh, got to get out of here. Just got to call Cookie Monster, get some directions. <laughs> Cookie Monster's and, uh, my ride. We better get, get an early start because we're going to take about five right turns. Yeah, he's so. just going to be like, oh, will Cookie Monster have to stop? Get a entire cookie pizza for road. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know a pizza place doesn't make cookie pizzas, Cookie Monster? We can't call until we find one that does. Like, no, you need a bakery, my man. No, 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 it's fine. Me no secret menu. <laughs> me no people around here. Me sweet talk to make cookie pizza. Me have connections. <laughs> Why are you saying that in your low voice? Is there something sinister going on with cookie pizzas I should know about? Listen, let's just say... <laughs> cookie you know want get you know what get visit from cookies cookie, associates cookie monster had connections to epstein <laughs> <laughs> had to be silence like, wait a minute cookie monster what are you implying that just way that cookie crumbles <laughs> <laughs> and he pushes me out of the car on the freeway <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna do it. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>